All right, South Point, here we go. Here we go. How y'all doing, huh? Good morning, good morning. Is everybody doing well this morning? You should be wide awake with an extra hour of sleep. I mean, come on, somebody. Isn't that awesome? your first time here today, my name is Craig and my wife Patty and I get to pastor this amazing, awesome, over the top, the coolest, the hippest, the best church on the planet. So thank you for being here and just by being here, you are now a part of the cool kids. There you go. What do you think about that, huh? Hey, there are a lot of people that didn't quite make the cool kid measurement, I guess, but they're watching online. No, I'm just kidding. They are watching online though. Will you put your hands together help me welcome the rest of our family, YouTube, church online platform. Hey, we love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. I'm glad that you are here, pseudo here, whatever. Anyway, so if I stutter a little bit today, you need to know that I just got back from Italy. And when I say just got back from Italy, I mean I literally just got back from Italy. So if I start falling asleep, throw something at me. If I yawn during my own message, throw something at me. Um, okay, don't throw something at me. That would probably hurt some of you. Um, but uh, just got back from Italy, and uh, the team is still there. Patty is speaking today at a church in Brindisi, Italy. Um, I went over for a week and uh, got to minister to our daughter church there in Naples, Italy. And um, just that church is doing amazing. So we adopted them as one of our daughter churches in 2016. Um, and since that time, um, since we've adopted that church has more than tripled in size. It is... It is now one of the top five largest churches in the country of Italy, which is pretty amazing. And you might say, well, what, what's, uh, what, it's Italy. I mean, what, you just have, it's just like great people with, it is great people, with good food, it, it is good food. Um, but here's a stat you might not know. Did you know that there are currently more Christians in Iran than there are in Italy? That is a true, true fact. Um, it is a country that has, and we're going to talk a little bit about this today, it's a country that has taken the turn from establishing a church to now where there's towns of literally no churches whatsoever. I got to go to a, another town outside of Brindisi called Lecce, and uh, it's on the Adriatic Sea there. It's a beautiful place. Um, but we went out Friday night, and we were just kind of walking the streets. We went to eat, and we were kind of walking the streets. And this town of over 100,000 people, um, the streets were just packed with people. The average age, the most, I won't say average, but most of the people were under the age of 40. So a very young town, over 100,000 people. Zero churches in that town. There are two Catholic churches in that town, and the two Catholic churches no longer hold mass. They are only open as a museum and for weddings and funerals. There is literally a whole city full of a bunch of agnostic people who need to hear the name of Jesus Christ. They need the hope that we are so comfortable in. We need to do our part to be a part of that. So we're going to continue doing that. Um, the team is there now, and so pray for them. They'll be back uh, the middle of this week, and so they'll be here Sunday, um, and we'll get some good stories and all that fun stuff from them. But Italy was fantastic. I am back on a different time zone, but hey, here we are. Here we are, here we are. Um, so this is November, and so if you weren't aware of that, it's November. And at South Point, every November, we do the same style of series. And so here's what I need you to know. Um, the last series that we did called Brick by Brick, it was a very personal series, right? It was very in your face, actually more in your, it was in your mind, right? I mean, we, we, we dove into your head space, and that was scary for some of you, let me just tell you that right now. A um, very personal series, I, you can't. 
assume or think that this series is going to be like that one because this is completely different. In November, what we do is I, I stand up as the, the leader of the house, the pastor of the house, and I, I do a message series where it's the next three or four weeks. We'll see it three, four, depending on how bored we get. But anyway, three or four weeks, um, and we, we take a snapshot. We look at where we've come from and what we've done and what the Lord has allowed us to be a part of. But then at the same time, we look forward to the vision that God has put in front of us. The vision of South Point is not changing. God has put us here to save souls. He has put us here to win the loss to Christ. That's why we're here. But how many know there's more that God has for us than just that? There's more. God always has more. And my, one of my biggest concerns, I won't even say fears, because it's not a spirit of fear, because we talked about that last time, right? Um, but one of my concerns is that as the church grows and becomes more and more established, that we end up doing less and less, which is the exact opposite of what God has for us. And so we're going to come together this series, and we're gonna, I'm going to go over some money stuff. And so well, here's what I'm saying. If this is your first time here to South Point, um, I'm so glad you're here. We are honored that you're here. And you have stepped into a house that loves you. Then you didn't even realize that we've been praying for you. We are glad that you are here. Um, come back. Because this talk for the next few weeks is about the house. If South Point is your home, if South Point is your home, just raise your hand. If it's your home. Like, this is my home. Okay, cool. A lot of new people. I'm glad you're here. If this is your home, I'm going to tell you what the Lord has done through us and how we've spent your money, and then I'm also going to give you a peek into the future on where God has us going, and it's going to be a good time. So are you ready for that? I know. Those of you, this is your first time, you're like, well, crap. All right. Well, I'm glad you're here. Um, <laughs> and with that, we are going, like we do every year, we are going to take up an offering on November 19th. You need to write that down. On November 19th, we're going to take up an offering for the house. We, we've called it several things. You can call it a harvest offering. We've called it an unhindered offering. We've called it a next step offering. We've called it a next well, the, the name doesn't matter as much as we're investing back into the house to do some crazy cool stuff that God has for us. And so that offering will start on November 19th, and we'll close out that offering at the end of the year just because I know sometimes people need businesses to close out their books and, you know, all that stuff. So it's not just one day. Uh, but we'll start that on November 19th. So here's what I need you to do, either in-house or online. I need you to get your family together and pray about how much you're going to give in that offering. Pray about it. I believe the Lord will give you an answer. You say, well, I already bring my tithes into the storehouse. That's fantastic. Um, but if you're new to South Point, this is how it works at South Point. So we bring our tithe in, and you can struggle with that word if you want to. All tithe means is 10%. Okay, that's the literal meaning of the word is 10%. And so we believe, as being good stewards of the finances that God has blessed us with, individually, that we bring 10% of that income into the house, and that helps the ministry run, that helps the church run. It takes money to do this. Just nod at me. I, I, this is not a shout them down message. I get that, but every now and then I need to know you're still awake, so just kind of nod at me. All right, that's all you got to do. And if you're bored, pull out your phone, play, go on Instagram or whatever, and every now and then just look up and go, all right? So, um, it's on November 19th, and so pray about that with your family and bring that in. So the tithe makes this run. This special offering is going to help us take the next step into the wild, into the harvest that God has for us, something new, something scary, and we're going to unpack all of that together today and the rest of this series. All right? Does that all, is that all groovy with everybody? Yes, yes, yes. In fact, let me just start out by showing you where's my phone. Grab your phone. Take out your phone. Everybody's got one. If you ain't got one... Your parents took it away from you, and that's probably for a reason, right, if you're saying. Take out your phone. Open up your camera app. Come on, get your, get your phone out. Get your phone. 
Now, you do realize I can see you. So those of you that are not looking for your phone, you're being disobedient. The Lord will judge thee. Okay, pull out your phone. Open up the camera app. You got it open? There we go. Okay, hold it up. Point it at me. Okay, take a picture. <laughs> okay, now that your camera app is open, go down and scan that QR code right in front of you. And scroll down and open up the 2023 tab that's on here. Here's how we have spent your money in, in missions, okay? And they're going to put this first one up there. We have spent, I'll start at the top right-hand corner, in, we spent $7,500 in random missions and stuff. Um, there's just small things here and there that added up to that. Trinity Health. Trinity Health is something that we give um, to every single year, every single month. And it's located right there in the DeSoto Dream Center in Horn Lake. And so what is that? Some of you don't even know what that is. If you struggle with uh, medical bills, medical issues, there are doctors and nurses right there that will see you and help take care of your medical needs. We pay for that. So go do that. You did, did you even know that existed? So that's, that's there. And so you can be a part of that because we believe that we need healthy people in DeSoto County. I might not excite anybody else, but I'm thankful for them. $34,000 for Servolution going out into the community. Um, we still have $22,000 left to be spent. We're going to spend that before the year's out. Benevolence, $15,000 people help, $15,000 helping people with food and different things like that. And then uh, bottom left corner, missions, $4,200. $6,100 for One Hope. One Hope is a beautiful missions organization that their vision and their goal is to put the Bible, the Word of God, in every child's hands on the globe. And that's pretty awesome. And we give to that every single month. Um, $15,000, over $15,000 for the 1010 Project. If you don't know what that is, um, that is a national program that specifically gathers pastors and helps pastors and helps them stay in the game. Pastors have the highest rate of quitting and suicide of any other occupation. And how many know our nation needs more healthy, mentally healthy pastors to stay in the race, to keep leading people to Jesus Christ, and we recognize that and we want to be a part of that. Um, my, my, I can't say it, but it's right there. Miles Israel, <laughs> I don't speak Hebrew, so um, $12,200 to Israel. I know and you know that there's a war going on right there. Before the war ever started, you were already investing in that country. We invest the first of the first to the country of Israel every single month. Um, Italy for Christ, and you guys know about that. That's the, what we do in Italy. All right, and then the, the next one there on your thing is here's how we spent your money the last year in-house investment. This is just the last year. Ministries, over $230,000. We've upgraded our AV equipment. Whoop, whoop. Oh, okay, that's fine. I, I got another one. Building maintenance, 71000 Why is it so much? Because we live in one of the oldest buildings on the planet. <laughs> Did you know that? This building's older than my grandmother, and she's been dead a long time. You know what I'm saying? How about, do you like this one? $98,000 for air conditioning units. You like that. Here's one you might like. New chairs, $182,000. Yeah, we like the new chairs. Everybody likes the new chairs. And so that's where we've been. That's what we've already done. What we said we would do the last time we did this was, here's the list from last year. Um, we said we were going to paint the outside of the building. We didn't get there yet. We said we were going to landscape and irrigate all that out there and make it look beautiful. We did that. Everybody say, check. Yeah. Seal and strike the parking lot and pave the north side parking lot. Yeah, we didn't get there. We ain't got that much money. I mean, I could take out a loan, but do you really want me to take out a loan? No, I didn't think so. How about we just wait until the generosity catches up with what we need? How about that? How about, sound good? Sound good? All right. 
So if you're going to complain about the potholes on the north side of the parking lot, write a check for $150,000. We'll be all right. We said we were going to do a volunteer entrance, and we did that. Um, phase two of the community center, we are working on that. We finally got, we finally got building permits. It's been a fight, boys and girls, but we finally got building permits, so it's been a slow process. Anyway, uh, building rehabilitation, we've just been working on different things in the building because it's old. We said we were going to expand our video department, which we did, and that money is there, and then staff expansion. And so a lot of great stuff is going on. But here, here's the deal. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about that because we as a church are moving forward. We are not going to just stay where we are. I'm going to say it again because I'm just going to say it again. We are not going to stay where we are because I believe that God has more for us than just this. I think God has a harvest for us that no man has ever seen or heard of, and it's going to blow people's minds and totally change our country. You say, well, that's a big dream, Pastor Craig. Let me get even crazier. Can I get even crazier? Here's a little bit of my dream. I believe that the Lord put in my heart years, decades ago, that there could be a church that was so full of the power of the Holy Spirit and so on task and so full of vision and passion that they could literally change the way their city and their county looked that the crime rates would go down, that health care would go up, that mental and learning, GED and all of these things, that people would get smarter. Yes, right here in Mississippi, even Horn Lake. That should excite all you Horn Lake people. Edumacated, right? I believe that the kingdom of God is more powerful than the earthly kingdom that we live in. And that if we'll just get this anointing and this spirit that God wants to put in us, that we would literally not stay where we are, but we would literally change the world we live in. That's just what I think. We're going to go forward to quote the infamous prophet James T. Kirk. (laughs) Does anybody know who James... Tiberius Kirk is, and I even, I even know his middle name, James T. Kirk, captain of the Starship Enterprise, said that we are boldly, we're going to go boldly where no man has ever gone before. You say, well, that's impossible. Well, then you just need to find a different church because I'm not staying here. We're going to do something different. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be fun, and I, we're going to unpack that over the next few weeks. But here, here's, I want to tell you this story. I want to roll this out in this story in John chapter 4. And some of you might not know this story. You might not know the chapter, but when I, it's, it's the woman at the well. You guys have probably heard at least, even if you're not in church, from church, you've at least heard that phrase, you know, the woman at the well. And we're going to read some of that story and, and go through that today. Um, but the story is fantastic. But I want to tell you the end of the story, and then we'll back up and give you the context for the story. Because the end matters. How a story plays out, the, the, the resolving of the plot line matters, does it not? Have you ever been to a movie where they didn't resolve the plot line? Is that not the most frustrating, annoying thing ever in the history of the world? Like if way back in the day, this is like old school, but if you were a fan of the show Lost, nobody? Anyway, don't waste your time because they didn't resolve anything in that movie, in that show. Nothing. And so the end matters. So here's... I'm going to tell you the story, but here's the end of the story, and then we'll get context. John chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus said this. He said, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. 
In other words, Jesus is saying, right, four months between planting and harvest, that's, that's what, normal? That, that's just normal. And it's physical. It's what you see. It makes sense. You know what's going on. But Jesus is saying, there is more going on here than just what you see with your eyes. There is more available to you than you ever dreamed or imagined. All you got to do is wake up and pay attention to what God is doing in the house, in the county, and in your life, and in your family. Wake up. Look around, because the fields are already ripe for harvest. And so what's happening is Jesus is taking his disciples into this place, into the into That makes me laugh every time I do it. Jesus is taking his disciples into this wild, crazy area there that is totally against the grain and breaking all the rules. Aren't you glad Jesus is still a rule breaker? Oh, maybe you're not excited about that. See, I'm excited about that because when I was doing everything wrong and deserved hell and punishment and I deserved to be cast out and no longer seen, Jesus went ahead and broke those normal rules and said, that's my boy. I'm going after him. I'll break any rule to get him because I love him that much. You might not get that, but that's at least what I get. Okay, so Jesus here, John chapter 4, here's the beginning of the story. So Jesus left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria. And I'm, you're going to hear me shout this throughout this whole message because there's, this is a passionate statement that there's something in Jesus that he's just like, I can't not go there. I just, I can be normal. I can do what everybody else does, but I got to go there. Has God ever put something in you, a vision, a passion, a dream, something in you that it keeps you up at night? It keeps you from eating the proper food. You just, you're overwhelmed with a passion that you say, I got to do that. Just me. Oh, come on. I think there's more passionate people in the room than just me. Something in you that's just like, oh, I've got to do that. And so that Jesus is full of passion. So he left and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Je- okay, I'm going to read this whole thing, and it's a lot of words, but I don't need you to lose, or pay, I need you to pay attention, not lose a focus, because I'm going to pull different topics out of this as we go on. But I'm not going to read this again. Okay, so you need to just, you with me? Okay, okay, okay. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please, give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Now, let me explain Samaritans to you real quick, because there's the story of Jesus telling about the good Samaritan, right? And there's all these Samaritans. When you hear Samaritan in the Bible, you need to understand what's going on, and so the deal is, when Jesus was telling the story, don't get stuck on the date, but it was probably roughly around, really, really roughly, like 28 AD, 30 AD, I don't know, somewhere, just track with me, okay, it's like early 80s, right? Under 100, all right? So to understand Samaritans, we got to back all the way up, rewind all the way up to 721 BC, and the country of Israel was split into two kingdoms, they had a little battle, they separated, and the northern kingdom set up their own temples, they set up this stuff, and 
the Assyrians, the bad guys, who came in and they conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. And when they conquered the, normal, the northern kingdom of Israel, they did what they, all the armies did back then. They would take a bunch of captives back to Assyria, but then they would also leave a lot of army and people and stuff in that area to maintain, you know, the Assyrian control. And so what happened during this time was the, the Jews at that time that were taken captive and still living there, but the Assyrians came in, they started intermingling with the Assyrians. And when you intermingle with a group of people, you make babies. That's called intermingling, right? That's the PG version for all you kids that should be in kids point. They, they intermingled. You can use that later, guys. Hey, baby, you want to intermingle? Okay, so you intermingle, and they made babies. And this new race of people, they birthed a new race of people called Samaritans. Now, you might say, well, what's the big deal? The big deal is not that there was an intermarriage. Okay, that's not really the point. The point is these people, these Samaritans, then set up their own temples, their own religion. Check this out. They still believed in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, but they refused to believe all the prophets and all the minor prophets and the Psalms and all those things. They didn't believe those. And so they took their watered-down religion and married it to culture so that they would fit in rather than stand out. Let me say it another way. They lowered their religious standards so that they would be accepted by everybody around them. And that compromise is what the Jews said, I have nothing to do with them because I don't deal with compromise. You tracking with me? So there's this whole group of people, the Samaritans. You can look at it this way, a different denomination. How about that? A different denomination. And the, the, the disciples didn't want to go there. Nobody wanted to go there. But Jesus said what? He said, I got to go through Samaria. I must go through Samaria. Okay, so he could have went around like all good Jewish boys. The Jewish people, when they were going around, they would go around this whole area instead of go through it. But Jesus said, I'm not like everybody else, and I don't want my disciples to be like everybody else. We're going into the wild. We're going through this middle place. And why did he do that? Because Jesus knew this. Check this out. Jesus knew that if you're going to reap a harvest that nobody else is reaping, you got to go to a place that nobody else is willing to go. If you're going to get a harvest that nobody else is getting, if you're going to re reach people that nobody else is even going after, you got to put down your barriers and be willing to go there. Go into the wild. Go to find people that are the furthest thing from you. They might not even be the same denomination. They might, ooh, they might be a different color than you. Oh. <gasps> They might, oh, I'm going to have to hide behind the chair on this one. They might vote different than you. I, I just, I just, I can't, I can't talk to them. Do you know who they voted for last election? I just think there's a hotter place in hell for those kind of people. If there's a hotter place in hell for those kind of people, then why don't you love them enough to save them from it? If you're going to reach a harvest that nobody else is reaching, because there's a huge harvest out there, you got to be willing to go to Samaria. You should have said Samaria. That was your perfect opportunity to fill in and finish the pastor's sentence. you got to be willing to go to Samaria. So much better. So much. I think there's some obstacles to us as a church, okay, if we're going to do this. And we are going to do this. 
Um, if we're going to step into these different areas and reach people that we've never reached before and have a harvest that we've never had before, there's some obstacles that we have to overcome. And the first one, I and mean, you ain't going to like any of them. Here's the first one. The first obstacle is being established. Established. The, the longer something is established, the harder it is to change. A crazy thing happened in 1985 in a little town called Dallas, Texas. Has anybody ever heard of Dallas? Nobody? Nobody? Oh, I'm sorry. Dallas Cowboys? Nah, still losers. Okay. Um, <laughs> in this little town called Dallas, Texas, this guy had an idea. He had a dream. And he opened up a store, very first time, opened up a store. And on opening day in this store, lining the walls, was 8,000 VHS tapes and 2,000 beta tapes. People don't even know what beta tapes are anymore. You're like, what is he talking about? VHS is already archaic. And these, these walls, 10,000 videotapes, all containing blockbuster movies, right? And it was this idea. Anybody ever heard of Blockbuster? Anybody? Anybody? Some of us? A few of us? They had this idea, and you could go into the store and go onto the shelf and pull off a VHS tape. And for two bucks, three bucks, I don't remember how much it was, you could take this Blockbuster hit home with you. You could watch it over and over again. Nobody ever did, but you could watch it over and over again. And then you just take it back and get another one. And every VHS tape had that saying on it that said, Be kind. Rewind, some of you are as old as me, right? Be kind, rewind, rewind that tape, right? And here's what happened. That guy literally changed our culture. That was the first thing ever for this idea and this concept. And why do we not have any blockbusters anymore? Because he changed the culture to such a point he didn't think he had to keep growing. He changed the culture so much he became established where he was and felt no need to do anything new or different. In other words, he stopped looking for the harvest that was in front of him. He got very established and comfortable with where he was. I, I don't want that for us. I don't want us to get so, so established that we can't move forward into new things. And new things and change scares people. When you fill in the blank, when you are established, your biggest fear is change and your biggest loss is creativity. That's even in relationship. In your marriage, well, we have an established marriage. Are you still going on creative date nights? Are you still being creative in your relationship or have you gotten so established in it you don't pay it any more attention because it runs on automation? How we doing? I'm jet lagged and I'm preaching better than you think I am. When we planted South Point years ago, um, we, had to, we had to break from a lot of things. We had to be creative. We were in Florida, and w so my family, you might not understand this, but my family, both sides, Patty's side and my side, born, raised, bred, fifth generation Pentecostal Church of God. Both sides ran deep, bruh. <laughs> ran deep. And then we'd go to plant a church, and we had to break those, we chose to break those connections. And so then breaking that traditional Church of God tradition, what else did we break? Because I got two sides of the family, five generations deep. You know what we had to do? We had to break some family connections as well. Come on. None of you have family? You don't know what this is like, do you? You just miraculously here, right? I had to break those. And then we move here to start this church, 
And I had to realize, I realized real quick, that not only did we break denominational barriers and not only did we break family obstacles and things, we move here to do this kind of church and now we are trying to do something that is breaking the southern church culture. Oh, I'm not sure if you realize it or not. This ain't normal. You ain't normal. And we all know I ain't normal. And you say, well, God, how is this going to work? Because God says if you're just willing to do a little bit of change, you're going to see a harvest that you've never seen before. How's that working for you, Pastor Craig? Hey, you still got your phone? Scan that QR code. Here's this other graph. Let me just show you this real quick. Put it up there, Kelly. Yeah. So check this out. We have 287 people on our volunteer team. Yeah, yeah, come on. We have dedicated 17 kids. We baptized 85 people. You guys have served over, it's now with Church, uh, Church United, it's over 4,000 volunteer hours in our community. And the last but definitely not the least, we have seen 475 people accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior just this year. That's awesome. We can't get so established to forget that there's still people that need to be a part of this. We can't do it. Here's the second one. You still tracking with me? Here's the second obstacle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's the second one. Ooh, you're going to hate this one. Um, comfort. Comfort. What is your comfort food? Oh, come on. Everybody's got a comfort food. No, no mine's wine. Okay, um, bring it back. So, amen, Pastor Rutter. What's your comfort food? Everybody's got a comfort food. It's already in your brain. Go ahead, turn and tell the person next to you. Tell them, tell them real quick. What's your comfort food? What's your comfort food? Maybe it's just a, maybe it's just a plate of carbs. Maybe that's your comfort food. I don't know. Mine, my comfort food, my comfort, oh, some of you getting hungry. Come on, I'm almost done. My comfort food is fried chicken, mashed potatoes, green beans, and corn. Come on, somebody. And I don't want, I don't want none of that dry white meat. I want the fatty, dark meat. Come on, all day long. Mm. That'll change your life. And if you don't like fried chicken, you haven't had it cooked right. That's all I'm saying. Notice the disciples. They're here, and Jesus is trying to teach them a lesson with the woman at the well. He's trying to see that there's a need in Samaria. And what do the disciples do? We already read it. You're supposed to remember it. They went to get food. Jesus is trying to teach them something, and because of the comfort that they needed, they missed a valuable lesson of how to talk to somebody who is on the wrong side of the tracks. They chose comfort over change. And comfort can be very confusing. You can fill in that blank. Comfort can be confusing um, because it's like this. Man, don't miss this. God is good, isn't he? Thank you very much. I appreciate that. That was great. It really was. And you guys good. God is good, isn't he? He's so amazing. It's like he blesses me day after day after day, time after time. No matter how high the mountain is and no matter how low the valley is, he is pouring out blessings every single day. God is good. And the problem comes when we begin taking blessings and expecting them. When blessings become an expectation, we fall into complaining. 
I'm going to say that again. It ain't even in your notes, but it should be. <laughs> Blessings, when you start expecting them. Think about your kids on Christmas morning. When they expect something and they don't get it under the tree, what do they do? Complain, because they think that you're the parent and you should jump through whatever adolescent hoop they want you to jump through. I think we think for some reason God is a vending machine God, and if we put in the right praise song or the right message or the right prayer or whatever, God will dispense the blessing that we want and we need, and God's like, that is not what you need, and that is not what you want, because I have something way better for you. You're stuck in a comfortable place, and I'm trying to bless you to drive you into a new harvest that you didn't even know existed. That's, that's good. That's good. That's good. When we, when we started South Point, we were... Um, we were barbarians, man. I mean, you just had to be creative in every area. And the church was in a trailer. We, we launched in the Malco Movie Theater in 2007. And the whole church was in this trailer. And one Sunday I pull up to get the trailer. I was the driver of the truck. And I pull up to get the, the trailer out of the storage, you know, storage unit. And I punch in my code. And it says, denied. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Denied. do 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 And it wouldn't open. So I push the call button. And it's early in the morning. And this lady answers. And... I think I woke her up, whatever, and I said, hey, I'm trying to get the church. I'm trying to get the church out of storage. I need my trailer. And she said, oh, well, let me look. Oh, your, your credit card's been declined. Well, yeah, it was declined. I'm a church planner. We're broke. <laughs> and she said, I can't let you get your stuff because you haven't, you haven't paid. And I begged, ladies and gentlemen, your pastor hit his proverbial knees in the truck sitting there at the gate begging, begging, please, 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 lady, I don't even know who you are. Please, 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 got to get to church, got to get to church, got to have church. And she said, okay, you know, I'll let you get it, but you got to come into the office in the morning and pay. I said, absolutely, absolutely. So we got to church. She actually came to service and ended up getting saved and uh, is still a part of South Point today. Isn't that cool? But during that time, we had about 130 people, 120 people, and we had 80% people on our volunteer team. 80% of that 130 was on the volunteer team. Now at South Point, we're over 1,000 every Sunday in-house, and we're down to 26% volunteers. <laughs> See, what happens is, I'm just going to be, I'm going to sit down for this. We get comfortable in doing church like we've always done, and the comfort, you know who complains the most in church? The people who are not serving. So quiet in here. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. Guys, if we're going to go forward into a wild place to reap a harvest that we've never reaped, it takes all of us together. And we can complain about unsaved family members and unsaved friends, but if we're not doing the work of the kingdom of God, then why are we complaining? We just need to get up and get to work. And the only people clapping are the ones that are on the volunteer team already. Well, what do we need? I'll tell you what we need. Can I just tell you what we need? We need, we need baby holders. We need people to just hold babies. You people are the most fertile group of people I have ever met in my life. Y'all having babies, I'll just stop there. I'm, good Lord Jesus, we need people to, do your arms work? Then you can hold a baby. I don't like kids. Okay, fine. I don't like kids either. But there's other places you can serve. 
What we, we need more band members. We need more singers. Why? Because the goal of this place has always been to have a different person in every position every single Sunday so that nobody owns a position because we're all just worshiping the Lord together. We need people in the video team, in the, the, the tech team up there, the people that run this whole thing and make it, hey, everybody, they're all looking at me. Hey, everybody. They're awesome. The list goes on and on and on. Every place you see somebody serving, we need somebody else to serve. Let's just move on, okay? You can fill in the blank. Comfort breeds excuses and complaining. Complaining. Comfort breeds excuses. Because we always say, I can't serve right now. I have, I know you all have, we all have, we all have excuses. I'm just telling you, we, we do. And we get comfortable in what we're doing. And sometimes you need your pastor to stand up and kick you in the face a little bit and just say, listen, there are hurting people that need us to serve because the goal is not just bigger this or bigger that. The goal is the harvest. It always is and it always has been. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 9. Are you all doing okay? Matthew 9 says this, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. I got to go through Samaria. I'm moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful. Leave that verse on the screen right here. You guys had your phone out a minute ago. I can guarantee that there's people on that device that is in your friend circle that are weary and hurting and struggling and broken and they don't have answers for the questions that they're asking but we've gotten so comfortable and established in those relationships that we don't even offer the answer that we have and his name is Jesus Christ every single time how about we start texting them and just saying hey you know and lean instead of just having a comfortable conversation what if when the Lord speaks you go ahead and have that uncomfortable conversation because you love them that much you love them that much the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray. By the way, this is the only commanded prayer in the New Testament. You mean, what about the, what about the Lord's Prayer? Lord's Prayer, Jesus is answering a question. He's just like, this is how you pray. This is the commanded prayer. What does he tell us to pray for? Man, don't miss this. Because what we spend most of our prayer time, are you guys okay? Am I hurting your feelings? Am I don't, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. Are you all good? Well, this might hurt your feelings. Sometimes we spend most of our prayer time praying for our lives to be more comfortable than praying the commanded prayer that Jesus tells us to pray. We pray for things to go well. We pray for safety on trips. We pray for our, and is all that fine? Absolutely, all that's fine. But is that the priority? The priority is I didn't save you and set you free for you to be comfortable and safe. I set you free so that you would tell somebody else about me and bring them into the fold because what we have for them is way more important than just being comfortable. Isaiah 54.1 says this. It says, enlarge your house, build an addition. Spread out your home and do what? Spare no expense. It's going to take work and money, bottom line. Spare no expense. But why, why spare no expense? Because they are so valuable to the heart of God. You were valuable. You are valuable to the heart of God. And yes, we need to hang out with Christian brothers and Christian sisters. But can I tell you something? Jesus left the 99 to go after the one. So if all I ever do is hang out with the 99, I'm not hanging out with Jesus. Oh, you don't have to like it. It's just the Bible. 
When was the last time you were in an environment that you were completely uncomfortable, but you stood your ground as a follower of Jesus Christ? When was the last time you were around people that weren't your color, weren't your culture, weren't your voting requisite, but you stood anyway? You held your values, but you held it in grace and truth and love. That'll change the world, ladies and gentlemen. For you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. All right, I got one more. You ready for one more obstacle? Number three. This one's short because it's too painful. So we just make it short and put it on the end. All right. Here's the third one. Tradition. Tradition is an obstacle. It's an obstacle. It's an obstacle. See, the, the tradition told the disciples never go through Samaria. Walk around Samaria. Don't ever go through Samaria. That's tradition. But Jesus shows up and says, listen. The only way to get to the harvest is to break tradition. It's to break some traditions. We, we have to, what is a tradition? Okay, a tradition is a, don't, don't miss this, tradition overall. Tradition is a permanent thing that we attach to a temporary cultural movement so that we can make sense of it. Okay, I'm, I'm going to break that down. Okay, so but a tradition is a permanent thing that attaches to a temporary cultural thing to answer the problem or the issue, whatever the issue is. You say, well, that works, though, because my Jesus says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. That is true in his character, but that is not true in his actions. Jesus never healed a person the same way twice. Jesus does something different all the time. He's moving. When we set up a tradition, we stop. I'll give you an example. I have a friend that is a pastor in a different denomination, a totally different denomination. Um, and in that denomination, it is a sin to have a TV in your home. Okay? Some of you know that. I see some of you go, oh, yeah. I used to be in that bondage. Okay. Okay. Um, it's a sin to have a TV in your home. However, they can have computers and laptops that stream anything they want. Can you process that with me for a second? So when that tradition was established, there was no streaming, right? There was nothing like that. So they attached the tradition to a temporary thing to make sense for that moment. Listen, if we just stick to our traditions, we are going to miss what Jesus is trying to get us to do. We have to move forward, and it's going to look different, and change is painful. Change is painful. Isaiah 43, um, the prophet says this, he lists, go home and read the whole chapter, but he lists all of these wonderful things that God did. They're fabulous, they're amazing. Saved them, set them free, killed their enemies, all this stuff. And then he gets down and he says this, it's in the middle of that verse, but forget all that. Just forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something brand new at South Point. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway into the wild. I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. It'll be something that nobody's ever seen before, but you got to go into the wild to get it. So what are we going to do? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to lay this out next week at South Point. Um, we're getting ready to launch a brand new campus here at South Point. So what is that? Are you leaving, Pastor Craig? Oh, heck no. I ain't going nowhere. You can't run me out. You can leave. I can't. <laughs> We're starting a brand new campus, and it's going to be an online campus. And this online campus, oh, just the streaming? No, 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 something brand new. Um, 
honestly, I don't, nobody else is really doing what we're getting ready to do. I think it's fantastic. And we're going to set up this online campus with an online service piggybacked with house churches all across the country. And so we're going to be able to spread from little old Mississippi. People say, nothing good comes out of Mississippi. Well, you ain't seen none yet. Because we're going to set up a network of house churches with an online campus and spread the gospel message of Jesus Christ from coast to coast. And I think it's going to be fantastic. And you have, I'm sure, hopefully you have a lot of questions about that, but we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. And that is what some of this offering of November 19th is going to go to. All right, we all, we all clear? I want to pray for you, but before I do that, I want to challenge you. This week, step into the wild. Step into the wild. Your friends that don't know Christ, come on, step into the wild. Your family that doesn't know Christ, step into the wild. Or maybe they're all good and you're comfortable right here, then step into the wild. It's time to be a volunteer. It's time to sign up. It's time to start doing more than we're doing because there's more for us to grasp that God has for us. So let's take the challenge together. Will you, will you pray with me right where you are? We close your eyes, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. And Lord, right now, I just ask that you birth inside every single person in this house and watching online. Birth this passion, this idea. I gotta go through Samaria. I can't keep just being comfortable around people that are just like me. It's time for me to go into the wild and be a part of reaping a harvest that no man has ever seen. We love you, Lord. I'm so thankful for what you're doing right here at South Point. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And I thank you in advance for literally transforming and changing a city, a county, a state, and an entire nation. We love you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you guys need prayer for anything, there's people down front on both sides that would love to pray with you. They're here for you. Um, and then also stand with me, if you will. Also, as you're standing, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you want to take communion, there's communion elements down front on both sides that you're more than willing to do, more than welcome to do. And then next week, how do you become a volunteer? Next week, go to Plugged In. It's during first service, okay? Next week. Everybody say next week. Next week, okay? That's next week. All right, while you're talking so well, let's say the benediction. We'll get out of here. Here we go. Now may God, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go get him.